0: Greetings all Mavericks out there. You're listening to the Hospitality and Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We are on a mission to inspire leaders and entrepreneurs in the hospitality industry to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind that both employees and customers love and support. Today we have a very special guest indeed, Mark McCulloch, the food and drink marketeer, speaker, podcaster, industry expert, mentor and consultant. Mark is the CEO and founder of We Are Spectacular a food and drink-focused agency set up to help you create a stronger brand, more effective marketing, and more engaging digital content. And winning the 2018 Restaurant, Marketeer, and Innovator Award shows that they're doing it well. We got in touch with Mark to talk about We Are Spectacular, brand DNA, and marketing not only to your customers, but your employees also. Hello, Mark. It's a pleasure to have you here at Hospitality Mavericks Podcast. I'm really looking forward to having this conversation with you today because as you, you know Mark when we talk we, we go far in, in different subjects around hospitality industry. We will try to keep it a bit more focused today uh, on and talking a bit about your background and, and marketing and brand and how do you build like a very strong brand around your restaurant business but uh, let's kick off with uh, you first telling a bit about where you're from what are you doing how do you end up in hospitality
1: definitely well that listen thanks so much for for having me and also um yeah i i think um if we ever bump into each other or or go out for a beer or something it, it goes all a bit tangential and uh, ends up in very different places so um we should maybe have recorded some of those as well that would have been quite insightful for people (laughs) uh, which is good but um yeah so i I mean i guess uh, we've only known each other um not too long but you know i think we've had quite a rapid relationship which has been great and we've already found some ways to work together so you know i think uh, you know it's just a, a really positive thing to you know be introduced to new people and see what they do and, and and just try and collaborate and make great things happen. So, you know, hopefully this is the, the start of tons and tons of things that we can do together because you do so many things that we don't and you've got so much knowledge area and areas that we don't that, that complements what we do. So, yeah, so fantastic. So, um, yeah, so original question in terms of, yeah, how, how did I end up here and, and, and doing all this stuff? For me, you know, I won't quite go back to, you know, I was born on a Wednesday um, and all that <laughs> stuff. Basically, what, what happened was I, I failed, actually, and that's why I'm here. So I failed to do mechanical engineering very well. So it was what my parents wanted for me, and it wasn't really what I wanted. But it was seemed like a proper job, you know. But the second choice I had um, after failing miserably at thermodynamics and fluid mechanics and all these wonderful things was actually music marketing. And then I had an old guidance teacher and he said, um, I bumped into him, I used to work in a record shop and he used to order his records from me. And he said, um, you know, I think you should just do marketing wide and then you can always do music marketing later you know you can always specialise so I went uh, along to you know university and 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 did that there and through that it was uh, called University of Paisley at the time so it was seen as a bit of a joke to go there you know there was there was uh, lots of jokes going around that you got a pair of Mickey Mouse ears with your degree sort of thing <laughs> things like that but actually it was, it was a great place to go so went there lots of investment in it so we even had the, the pleasure of being taught by some Harvard lecturers and things like that so very, very forward thinking um, as a university. Luckily, got the degree, um, and I did a year out at IBM in Greenock in Scotland, and that's where I had my, my sort of first taste of real industry, real marketing, um, and, and what that meant. And then, sort of moving on from there, uh, I was really lucky to get my first job at, and it's not terribly PC these days and with the way everything is, but there was a magazine called Loaded Magazine, which was one of these lads mags, which was all nudie ladies and punk rock and all these things. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I joined that. That was my first proper job, and I did the student marketing for that, so NME as well, which is one of the great music magazines. And, yeah, that's where I really cut my teeth, trying to make them or help them sell more, Uh, to students on campus so you know, there was a lot of real tactical stuff actually got the drive time show at my university radio and I used that as a platform to try and sell more magazines so part a lot of the show was surrounded by the structure of that month or that week's title and then I could talk about the, the albums that were in it, the reviews the this the that, so yeah just, just hacked that a little bit to, to try and make that work and then just kind of fast forwarding a couple of agencies and things like that and I moved down to Milton Keynes you know I realised there was no job Jobs really in Scotland, you know, so I was in London, moved back to Scotland and then, and then actually ended up in Milton Keynes of all places and um, with roundabouts and concrete cows and all these things you know and we call it the city of dreams we're still hopeful it'll be the new Silicon Valley but I'm not sure it'll ever happen so yeah did that and then yeah it started at lastminute.com so rose from sort of you know a, a market manager type on one of the offshoot brands which did experience days like red letter days um, so rally days hot air balloon and stuff like that and then I went into the mothership uh, lastminute.com and, and rose up to being uh, the head of brand development for the world actually so they had lots of things in the Nordics they had Zoji over in Singapore and Asia they had an Australian franchise so it was it was quite wide and varied and then from there I went to Barclaycard card and where I did a lot of brand stuff as well you know it was very much brand and marketing and then Barclaycard card was more brand and what I realized when I went to Barclaycard card was it was actually about the people so Brand was about people and activating and empowering and engaging people to deliver your brand promise. Um, you know if a brand's a a promise delivered, which is what we talk about here. So there was that. I wasn't much of a banker. I didn't like wearing a suit, and I didn't like um, you know, sort of being corporate and all these things. It's not really in my nature. But I got a great piece of advice, which was it's like eating your greens. So you know, I'd go and eat my greens, and you know, I wouldn't like it at the time, but I would feel better after it, and. I think that's definitely what happened. You know, I, I learned a lot there about stakeholder management and how bigger machines uh, like like a financial institution work. And then went to Yo Sushi. So that's where I get into the world of, of food and drink. So uh, I wrote them a ransom note uh, as my CV to try and stand out. And it said, um, help, I've been captured by a bunch of bankers. Can you Can you please help? And then luckily enough, I stood out and... I was very, very drunk actually at Blur in Hyde Park, and I got a phone call saying, the, "You know, the CEO wants to see you tomorrow from UCC." And I was like, "Oh my god!" Uh, so better sober up quickly and get myself sorted. So yeah, went in for that. Five interviews later, it was quite a, a harsh recruitment process. Uh, I got the job and I ended up on the board there. Um, I, think I was about thirty-three, so that was that was great. You know, that was that was an amazing time. And then a couple of last jobs before uh, getting into the agency world. So moved from Yo Sushi to a music website, so back to music again, called We 7 who was um, Peter Gabriel. Uh, it was his music website. And we flipped that to Tesco, and it became Blinkbox uh, blink Music. And then I'd started this company called Spectacular Marketing only for a few days, and then a job came up at Pret to be the head of marketing for a maternity contract. And I just thought, I've got to try and get that job because I've been in most of my life, I've been a promotions jockey and I've just been trying to sell stuff and it was behind Target and all these things. Whereas with Pret, it wasn't, you know, and it's a very, very, very different role when you go into somewhere that's really successful and your focuses change, what you do changes, how you plan, you know, the output, all these things that completely changes and i think i'm um, you know i'm definitely a better marketer for that um for from seeing that side as well so yeah and then started the the agency and um sort of here we are 6 years later
0: Wow, wow, what an incredible uh, journey After coming from music into banking, you ended up in the uh, hospitality industry uh, mark and, and many people say uh, you only go into the hospitality industry if you're really passionate about the hospitality industry because it's it's a very very, very tough business. What was it that made that tick for you and still make your tick since you are you are still here you created your own business that actually helped hospitality businesses improving their brands and grow their businesses.
1: Yeah, well I, I I guess um for me to be super honest, I wanted an escape plan from Barclay Card, right? <laughs> you know? Like I, I just wanted to like be at the start of Star Wars and, and jettison out of the, the spaceship. So, you know, that was that was made me look. And then what happened was I I, I picked up Marketing Week and in the back was an advert for Yo Sushi, um, and they wanted a senior marketing manager. And it was. It, I think at that point, it was less about it being the hospitality industry. I just thought Yo Sushi was such a cool brand, you know? And back in the day, when I first moved to London to work with the music magazines, Yo Sushi was like the coolest place you could go and eat, you know? There was queues around the block at Poland Street. It had robots in the restaurant, which served you. After nine PM, I think, if my memory serves me, they actually started sort of swearing at you, like so. The 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 robots like got a bit rude, um, you know. After the watershed, which was kind of fun, and you know, back in the day as well, you, you I think you maybe had a beer tap at your table, and they they had a place called You Below, which was a karaoke thing. So you know, from that perspective, I think it was just me. I'm a sucker for a damsel in distress, right? And I think. I knew that you was cool and I wasn't convinced it was as cool and as relevant as it should be. So I really went in with that intention, which was, I don't think it was getting the credit it deserved for whatever reason. And I I wanted to be part of that gang. But then within seconds, really, you know, once I met Robin Rowland and, and a lot of the team there, you know, Robin... Even when he was giving you into trouble for something, you know, still made you feel like the, the prettiest girl in school sort of thing. You know, he was, he's was he got a real real knack of still making you feel good, um, even if you've maybe not done the right thing. And also something that really struck me, I think there was two things, actually. One was one of the days I'd just started, Robin called me into his office. And, you know, it was only a small office anyway. It was not like a big deal, but he just called me in. And he says, I'd like you to meet, I think it was... I might get this wrong, but it was something like Jean-Michel, you know, it was a French name. And I was like, all right, sure. So the guy gives me his card and he's the CEO of Ping Pong. And I'm like, what the, you know, and because where I came from, if you're at lastminute.com, like I still won't book a holiday on Expedia, right? Like, they're the enemy, you know? Um, It's like football teams or tribes or gangs or something like that, you know? Uh, and same with Bartley cards, You know, if you're if you're Bartley Card loyal, you know, there's no way you're going to go to Lloyd's or TSB. I was a bit like, do you not realise this is like a spy, an infiltrator, or, you know? And then Robin's like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, we actually all get together and we share information and we all help each other to get people to eat out of home. And I was like, Oh, right. And then, so once I started to get that, you know, it's this this whole thing that it's foolish to think that, you know, someone could eat in your restaurant four times a day, you know, it just ain't going to happen. So everyone works together, you know, to get people out. And I just thought that was such a refreshing new sentiment. And then also uh, Peter Martin over at, at Peach at the time, Peter and Christine, Again, I spent a lot of time with them and they really sort of took me under their wing and and, and told me loads of stuff and introduced me to loads of people in the industry. And just when you got to know more and more and more people, you realised it was quite a small industry and the friendliest, nicest bunch of people you could expect. But then obviously that makes sense because we're the hospitality industry and so it should be like that. So yeah, So, and, and then when I figured it out as well that the absolute ultimate aim really is to make people happy you know, whether it's celebrating something or make them feel good or, you know, whatever it's going to be, when you look through that whole thing, you're like, I'm in the business of making someone happy. Whereas maybe when I was in the financial institution sector and stuff, you could be making someone unhappy because you know, you you were, you know it's not as bad as this bit of glorified loan shark, but you know, you're giving people credit that they might not be able to pay back and that causes problems. What a lovely thing to do with your life, to go out and Help people come into places that should make them happier. That's a that feels good.
0: That that's a that's a quite funny. I normally always say the hospitality is all about you know people, food, and the customers, and it's about creating that you know experience hospitality around it, and that's what's really exciting. But if you're not excited about that, you will not have a strong survival in hospitality because that's what has to drive you in a way. So I can t- totally see where you're coming from there, Mark.
1: Well, I, I think also in that point though there is some things that make me slightly sad which is you know there is a lot of people in the industry that that aren't food lovers you know and there's a lot of business people and things like that and I think it's just getting that balance right to make sure that you're being commercial of course and running your business but really having people that are truly passionate about food and about customers and being obsessed by that and I think You know, when we get a lot of phone calls from people asking us to help their business, you know, we we tend to start there and just try and figure out, do these, you know, do, do the people really care? I mean, do they really, really, really want to make a difference and make people happy? But if it's all about this week's sales and all these things and not willing to invest in great ingredients, invest in the team and all these things, you know, we often say, you know, Don't even consider brand or marketing any of these things, you know, get these things sorted first because that's really important.
0: That actually leads me to take us a bit back again and say that you, you left your normal job as a head of marketing and started your own thing your own agency, what, what's a, what is your, your philosophy behind it? I, I get a bit about exactly making sure that you put people first or make people happy, and then you think about the, the numbers afterwards because they will come when you thought of that out. But can you give us a bit more, you know, the structured approach you have and philosophy behind your agency? Sure. So I always wanted to do this. I had it in my
1: mind from very early. So when I worked for Enemy and Loaded, I worked for an agency. I loved it. The fact, you know, it just was cool. I had, like, back in the day, you know, you had the red smeg fridge full of beer. You could wear what you wanted. Um, everyone was, you know, nice to each other and a bit of a little family. I had a really cool orange iMac. I don't know if you remember, like, the really old uh, Apple Macs that didn't look like any other computer. Just those types of things, music blaring in the office, you know, and I just thought, I really like this. And also... I don't think I'm that good at working for other people. Like I don't think I'm particularly good at having a boss. So I think I've always tried to be quite self-aware about these things and, um, just kind of realized that, you know, longer term, uh, I need to go out on my own. And so I had it noted down for a very long time that this is what I wanted to do. And I knew it was going to be in marketing or brand and actually digital, you know, quite early. However, Um, when I decided that I was like I don't know 23 24 and it's very different now because a 22 23 24 year old will be taken pretty serious seriously if they are running a digital marketing company or you know that type of thing it's a very different world now whereas back then no one was going to take you know some guy from a backwater town in Scotland with an OK marketing degree from an OK university. They just weren't going to take it seriously. It just was and with no experience, you know, pretty much. So what I decided to do was give up some of my time. So have patience and all these things and spend whatever it was 10, 15 years on the inside. And You know, basically, I always saw it. I can always describe it as Super Mario Brothers. So I just saw it as picking up the stars, you know, to get to the end level. And I was okay with that, you know, because every day, if I was having a good day or a bad day or whatever it was, you know, I knew that it was going somewhere. You know, it was going towards something. And so I was, rather than me just doing a job and all the rest of it, you know, every single day I was looking for another thing to learn that I could then use in the future, you know. So I was... Very, very studious on it. Actually, for some of these companies, I've probably worked harder than I'm working now. Even you know, certainly Lastminute.com. You know, if if you if you cut open my veins, it would have bled pink. You know, I I I just absolutely adored that company, everything about it, and it it, it was just full on. And but it had such a good culture, and I don't think I've ever worked in a place that had such a strong culture. And Brent and Martha, who are you know, who started it. Are, just phenomenal human beings they they gave kids a chance and you know they just you know let you do what you wanted pretty much I mean they give you advice and stuff but they just let you run and everyone was kind of the same and it was a, a great gang and if you go back to lastminute.com and you look at the, the class of 2003 or whatever it was um, I mean, actually, a couple of them are working here with, with me now, but they've all went on to great things, you know. So the Guardian, ITV, Brent started his own thing. Martha's now like the the Baroness of Soho, Lady of Soho, um, and a peer. Mem- you know, just when you go right through, and it's you know, most people, if if you look at them, they went on to something, you know, Apple, Google, whatever. It's it's just it's it's mind blowing. So I I think I wanted to recreate a little bit of that as well. You know, have a a nice culture where there's no big bad boss. There's no one breathing down your neck. There's, you know, people just bringing their best self to work and, you know, giving people enough rope to express themselves. And if they fall short of that, then that's a conversation. But apart from that, we just want people to thrive. So, you know, that that's what we've tried to build here as well.
0: We have talked about, a couple of times over the last time about the industry has, you know, some massive challenges going on right now, you know, raising costs, workforce challenges, etc. cetera. And we see some of the big ones uh, has really been passed and are still bleeding uh, and they're closing down restaurants. Um, coming back to what you said a bit earlier that they maybe, maybe there's been some lack of care of things in, in, in the industry like people and food. Do you think that's a consequence of that, that they are this situation now, or is something else? This is the market, is the economy? What is your view on this? Yeah,
1: so massively. I mean, yeah, I need to bite my tongue sometimes when I talk about this subject. But I, I wonder when we stopped caring, you know? And it, it, it's a it's a yin yang scenario in that you need the money, you know, you do need the investment, you do need all these things to grow, and 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 that's fine but I think it's about that balance being in check. And, you know, a good example would be the show that's on right now on BBC Two, The Million Pound Menu. I don't know if you've watched this on BBC Two. I don't know if you've you've
0: seen this. Yeah, yeah, I've seen a couple of them.
1: So I think that's a really, really good example of where potentially it's going right and where potentially it's going wrong. You've got people in a privileged position that are maybe investors but they might not be food fans. They might not be, you know, customer centric, but there's a lot about the money. And if you look at, you know, some of the, the, the trailer episodes that have just happened, and I love the show, by the way, I'm obsessed by it. And it's really nice. We, we know a few people on it as well, which seems a bit weird seeing them on the telly, but that's quite fun. But, you know, when you go through it and it's just the number one question is, you know, what's your figures? What's your figures? What's your figures? What's your figures? because then you've got the investors going in to taste the food and yeah there is some customers in the mix and all the rest of it and it might just be some editing or whatever but I just kind of think that just maybe because you invest in restaurants it doesn't make you a food expert I think it's a lot more 360 than that so there was an example um, of one of the chaps went in and he was assessing a vegan thing and he was a bit like yeah I don't really like tofu and it was like That's completely beside the point. There's about, you know, 15 million people that do. So from that perspective, the smart move would have been bring some people with you, chefs or vegans or vegetarians that love tofu. Then they can tell you if it's good tofu. But I know it's just a TV program and the rest of it, but I think it's indicative. And I think too many restaurant groups or restaurants, et cetera, they're run as businesses. Um, and it may, it just breaks my heart when I uh, speak to people, and you know, perhaps they're they're hiring for, I don't know, uh, an NPD person, or there's a marketing person, and they're saying, "I wonder if we could get cheaper ham. I wonder how much cheese we could take out of that recipe, and the customer won't notice." Oh, we've done research groups and the customers didn't notice and it's like look man you know we all well we all know that rich tea biscuits and wagon wheels and jaffa cakes are getting smaller right and i know you've done it over many <laughs> many years but either my cups are getting bigger my mugs are getting bigger or you're taking the mick out of me yeah. you know so and i think people are just like nowadays i mean come on with you know, social media the fact that we don't eat out once a month We're eating out every day. A lot of people are anyway. Sometimes more than once a day if you're lucky. We're so much more attuned. We're so much more savvy. And, you know, people just know. And I think the best brands in the world are the ones that are doing it with kindness. You know, the ones that are really thinking about the customer. The ones that are adding value. The ones that are putting more on top. And I don't think you can ROI that. I mean, the only way you can ROI it is, You're not going to go out of business. Um, But engineering, that word just needs to go out of the restaurant business. You know, we shouldn't be engineering anything. You know, I know there's costs and I know there's limits and, you know, I I get all that. But someone literally taking, you know, 0.3 of a gram of, of, you know, cheese or broccoli or whatever it is, out of a recipe, it's just the wrong way to go about pleasing someone. It just, it doesn't feel generous it doesn't feel right so so I think there's that but but to your point in terms of the market what do you think's happened I mean you know there's a bit of a pun in here but I think people got greedy right so some of these restaurant chains they've got no business having 80 units right and and mm-hmm. what happens is they they pick the rock they make bad decisions because the investor or the management team you know something like that you know, they, they're they basically saying that'll do. So we must have a site in Bath. You know, they've got it in their, their pipeline. We must have a site and Bath. Oh, do you want that site that's behind two bins and, you know, 100 yards off the pitch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's cheaper. Because it's cheaper, we'll make more. And yeah, no, nah, you won't. You know, it just, and it's kind of like how many times? Um, so I, I think, um, yeah, I, I think it's just that time's over where, You can go fast expansion. You can, I think it's about doing a few really well and actually diversifying your estate. You know, what is right for that town or that city? Or, you know, I think that one size fits all. I think it's days are numbered because, you know, I, I don't think, I think people are looking for different things and different experiences and anything that seems automated or, you know, cookie cutter. Yeah, it just seems it just seems disingenuous. I think
0: I was uh, talking or uh, interviewing actually the other day Andreas Carlson from Sticks and Sushi, their CEO. Oh yeah, he's uh, awesome. Yeah, he's a, he's a really awesome. Man. And uh, he said that when I asked him, so uh, about, you know, so how do you roll out this concept? He said, I need to correct you there. We are not mm. doing roll-ups. We are taking one restaurant and we're doing it very well from the bottom up when it comes to, you know, to the to the food, to the, the employees and the customers. And we don't continue before we got it right. Yeah. and And we don't do the same at every location. That was very interesting, and I and I know that's how also you you grew restaurants with my mom and dad ran their restaurants. They didn't mm-hmm. say we want to do a rollout. They took one at a time, made it work, and then they moved on. And they had a diversified portfolio, as you can say. They did everything from you know uh, from a pub to a, you know a little cafe and, and stuff like that. So it was a very different way of operating a business than you know this cookie cutter. Which I think a bit like people got a bit, uh, you know, thought we can all do the McDonald's and, you know, Domino's and things like that. And you can only do that when you have a certain kind of product, you know, when if you really want to create hospitality, it's a very different thing in a way.
1: No, you're right, and, and Andreas is right. You know, and um, I just get so much love and respect for that man. He's, he's amazing, and um, I you know he, he's just absolutely bang on, and, and he's no fool. And I think Sticks and Sushi are doing a great job. I think I think Dishoom, you know, are, are doing a great job, and you know, and people are are just seeing through it. You know, so I think you know if you were starting a restaurant now and looking to you know, make whatever you want to make and, and grow to whatever you want to grow. I just think the path to doing that is very, very, very different. And, but the good news is, you know, that's kind of how we've got a job because, you know, if people made great decisions all the time, they probably wouldn't need marketing or, you know, they would have got the right property and, you know, I'd be selling the big issues. So, you know, you've got to be thankful for it. But I think also like the whole kind of the market, the market stayed the same. Pretty much, it's been, you know, talking to Peter Martin um, the other week. And, you know, by and large, it's still reasonably flat. There's no disaster, there's no crash. But it's just that everyone got greedy. There's just too much choice for everyone now. And everywhere you go, you know, you've got 15 choices. So, naturally... Things are going to go down. And there was a funny point. I was at a conference. Uh, I think it was maybe CGA's conference in in, in November or October or whatever. There was a guy, uh, Roger from Box Park was on. Um, So he he sat the MD of of that. And, you know, that's that's another really interesting concept. But he said, um, like for likes needs to be banished because... It, no such thing exists. I mean, it was a kind of spiky point, and you know, some people bought it, and some people didn't. But mm. I think it was a, a interesting thought, which was, there's no like for like. You know, the next day, if Nando's opens across the road from you, and you're 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 all about chicken, then you know you're gonna you're gonna feel it. You know, it, it just doesn't doesn't work. You know, it doesn't work like that. So uh, yeah, so I think people got greedy. Um, therefore there's too much supply but there's the same demand and obviously
0: costs are going
1: up so it's not a great equation really.
0: So so how in your view what is this uh, if you just short say that the secret is ingredients to build you know the, a brand of the future in, in hospitality what what is the, the secret ingredient from your point of view when you're talking about creating brands? I, I, smashing together
1: your passion you know, and and what you're good at and, you know, and what you want to do and and all the rest of it. Cause I think a lot of the best ones, they've, they've came from a genuine passion, you know, because so you could go the other way, right? You could go commercial and you could sit down and say, let's map out the entire restaurant marketplace. And then you go, Oh, there's a need for, I don't know, deep fried Mars bars or whatever it is, right? So, you know, you you, you could map it out and you, you, you could get a space, but you've got to ask yourself, you know, are you really passionate about that? Yeah. And also, although there's a gap in the market, is there a market in the gap? When you look at the whole thing, so I think someone that comes into the market genuine, so if it is, I don't know, Korean or Thai or whatever... And it's already busy in terms of the the marketplace. I still think that's okay. Because if you've got your own view in it, if you've got your own tastes and flavors and slant and all the rest of it, then you might very well nail it, you know. I think on top of that, you've got to have real brand single-mindedness. So sticking to your guns, what do you believe in? What do you stand for? And what will you never compromise on? And these are almost personal values, I guess, when you're starting out. But what happens over time is, you know, it's right, we're all about authentic, fresh, blah, 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 whatever else. And then authentic becomes, over oh, we at scale now, so we need to go to a mass producer and get it shipped in. Fresh. Well, we used to make our burgers on site, but now, do you know what, there was a really good deal when kind of tastes similar with the frozen ones. And and you're just edging away, you know, all these things. And then I think it's about the positioning of the brand, you know, where, what is it in the role of the customers? And then looking at it now, how shareable is it? How, you know, how is it fitting people's lives now, you know, and, and, meeting customers in the middle as well you know what do they want to achieve and on top of that as well you know thinking about the other verticals you know you know travelization where are the growing markets you know it's going to be drive throughs and roadside and um travel hubs and, you know, all these things are going to get premiumized and the Deliveroo market and all that type of thing. You know, you're just going to have to live with the fact that Deliveroo are there and that they could be a high percentage of your sales. So how can you make sure that that works too? So I think it's that really good, strong idea that people will, you know, what's your craveable product? You know, what would I drop everything for to go and have that thing? And then you can sort of build from there. But I don't think it needs to be a completely unique idea. You know, I think it's just, if you're doing it brilliantly and you're doing it with heart and you're doing it in a genuine way, I think you could beat a lot of the competition out there because people are searching for genuine experience and
0: stories. So if you just to mention a brand you think that does that really well in the moment in the industry, who, who would that be? I think um, there's some
1: interesting ones out there. I think you've got Dishum obviously. I think they are just so, so true to what they're doing. Even so much so that, you know, the other night I think there was maybe even a staff party. You know, it was all like, you know, it's kind of like huge Indian celebration and it was all on Instagram and so stuff. It just makes you feel good up you just the fact that they're living and breathing it every day, and it's even small things, right? That uh, the job titles are kind of in Indian. I think Sarah over there, if she doesn't make me say anything, I think hers is uh, like Chattywalla or something like that, you know, and it You know, just that sort of stuff matters, you know. I would like to think that those guys would die before compromising. Um, it feels that way, you know. I think it feels that way. I think Hawksmoor are the same all the way through. Also, do you know what? If you go the other end of the scale, I think Wagamama. Like, I think, you know, what David, you know, built there um, before he, you know, sort of left and what Jane's continuing to do, and you can see it, you know, Jane just got voted top female CEO within the top 100 CEOs in, in the UK, at least, it might even be more than that. So, you know, she's done a great job there. The team there, I mean, sure, they've got the budgets and all the rest of it, but it's dead easy to waste a lot of money as well, you know, but they spent at the right places, you know, so much so that they, they even, you know, moved the kitchens of a lot of the branches and or the restaurants into the window so that the guys and girls were doing their prep in the window. So that when people were walking past going about the business, they could see all the fresh stuff getting made and being prepped and all the rest of it. And it's just things like that, that you just go, Oh, wow. And I was going to say whether it's true or not. I mean, it is true. It's there in the window for you to see. They're doing it, you know? And of course, they've got to do it at scale and, you know, it might not be, you know, made every single day and all the rest of it. I think, you know, someone like Jamie's is on the comeback trail. It's going to be interesting to see. But by his sort of speech on Sunday brunch and in Saturday kitchen, you know, it looks like He's getting back in amongst it and talking about authenticity and how they're making fresh pasta and every site, every type of pasta. That's what they're doing. So, you know, so I think you can see that the more sensible people are going for that authentic route. Um, There's a couple of ones to watch at the moment as well. You know, I think there's a battle for some Thai stuff. You know, I think Rosa's Thai has just got investment and Robin Rowland's um, chairman in that. So that's going to be interesting to see. I think, you know, you've got Greyhound Cafe as well. You know, Basaba's, you know, continuing to sort of recapture a lot of what was going on before, you know, and and doing it successfully. So, you know, I think Thai's one to watch as well, you know, in terms of the flavours and the taste and experience and all these things. So I think that's going to be super interesting to see. But yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say those, those are the main ones that spring to mind right now. Oh, i tell you who actually is a good one. Um, Iberica. Hmm. Um, I don't know if you know them. So they're, they're you know, Spanish um, tapas. And spend a bit of time with them and stuff. But, uh, oh, my God, they, they mean it, man. I mean, like, the lengths that they go to and the stories that they have for, yeah. you know, the ham that they're serving and the cheese and the why and the wines and the, you know. And actually, part of the, the the thing there is more people need to know this, you know. Um, So it's, it's, that, it's that weird juxtaposition where you want to be humble but also you need to tell people. So it's it's kind of tough, you know, because you sound too braggy. If you really go on about it, you sound too salesy. But I think it's just that one-by-one one customer, you know, meal at a time, get them to share their experience. So I think there's that. And then, you know, obviously where we are down in Brighton, I mean, yeah, there's, there's, there's a ton of great stuff going on down there, but they're more like one-restaurant one propositions. And I think it's, you know... It's not easy, definitely at that, at that level. But it's easier to be more authentic um, when everyone's hands on. I think it's when you get to say two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's where you know the, the rubber hits the road, if you like.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I totally agree. So, uh, I so. Uh... I, I think we need to, we need to, we need to have some more uh, podcasts together because uh, we're running out of time here, Mark. Unfortunately, oh, that's okay. told, but that's okay <laughs> uh, because there's there's so much interesting in it coming out of this conversation. we're we we're gonna have a we're gonna have another one where we're gonna talk I'm a sure. bit more deep about the the brand DNA. But always in the end of uh, any podcast interview we do here at Hospitality Mavericks, we ask people to you know, if you only have to give one advice to somebody that wanted. To jump into the hospitality sector, and uh, it could be with the marketing angle or the brand angle. On what would that uh, advice be? Don't do it, man. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, what would my advice be? I, I,
1: you know, my advice would be call Mark. Well, no, I, I'm just <laughs> trying. I'm just trying to think. I mean, it would just be a a a big warm hug is is sort of waiting for you. You know, I, th- I think you know the the industry the the joy that you'll get from joining this industry will be will far outweigh most other industries that that I could think of i think the great thing with this industry as well is you don't necessarily really have to be qualified i think because of the nature of operations in the restaurant industry there's not a lot of money sometimes uh, going around so you will get exposed to so many things that you will not believe. Whereas if you were in a larger organization, you wouldn't get to touch for 10 years. So it's almost like a mini MBA. So I guess my advice would be, you know, just network, you know, get yourself a pass to or pay to, you know, come along to either Propel or CGA or MCA or any of these things. Do you know what? Just hook up with all the foodies on Instagram. They're so easy to find, Tell them that you want to meet them for a coffee. Tell them, you know, that that's 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 actually advice. Just reach out to all the brands that you love, find out in LinkedIn who the people are, then go to LinkedIn and Instagram, etc. Drop them a message, and out of twenty of them, I bet you get 10 or 12 beers or free meals or coffees, and they can give you advice about, you know. How, how to get into the industry if if that's what you want to do. The the last thing is, if you're a brand and wondering what to do and what your first step would be, just get your brand DNA straight. So get it sorted in terms of wh- who are you for? Who are you targeting? What's that one type of customer? What is it? And not, oh, we do burgers. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And one thing, be single-minded about what you do. You know, don't stray from your values. You know, die before you'll you know, compromise on those and I think, you know, that's a good lesson in life. So yeah, get that sorted. And um yeah, just use use social better. Yeah. I think as well. I think um there's a lot of a lot of white noise out there. Um so there's real
0: opportunities for people to use social brilliantly, that's for sure. I knew you would bend this rule with one of one piece of advice. But <laughs> That's okay. You know, they are the, so all brilliant advice, by the way. <laughs> so, so, so uh, we are at the end here, uh, Mark. Today, so uh, thank you so much for for your time and your brilliant insights on, you know, insights on marketing the industry and what you think is that uh, people need to do right now to be successful in the industry. Well, bless you. Th-
1: thanks so much for having me. Um, really enjoyed it, and yeah, obviously we'll get you on. Uh, an episode of our podcast too and then yeah i'm sure there'll be many many more conversations um over the years if if people can stomach uh, listening to that that would be be great to come back on sometime
0: oh we have, we have one we need to do is in a, how to build you know a strong employer brand that's a, that's one yes. we need to have a chat about but yeah we'll we'll, we'll we'll save that for another one yeah no worries yeah good <laughs> well take care mark speak to you soon That's all we have time for today. Thanks again, Mark, for sharing your marketing insight and tips for the hospitality industry. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please like, share, subscribe, or even better, tell us what you think. What are the best ways that you can create a strong brand DNA for your business? Thank you to Laura from Let's Talk Video Production to help make these podcasts happening. We hope you have enjoyed today's Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tingser. Tune in next time for more great insights. And in the meantime, find out more about us at hospitalitymavericks.com. Thanks for listening and be Maverick.